good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice, Daily In-Depth News, conversation and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. And, and around here uh, on these Thursday editions of the show, uh, we give a, a hearty welcome to all of our listeners. And of course, Matt Neely making the magic happen on the other side of the glass. A, a happy Friday Eve is what we call Thursdays. And uh, we are one day away from the weekend. Not that we're ha- not having fun. Uh, but, you know, the weekend's a good thing, and it's Easter weekend. So happy Thursday Eve, Matt. Good morning to you. Good morning, Zach. Beautiful well. day out. Absolutely. Well, we should. I think we should enjoy today, Matt, because yeah. if I'm looking at what you're looking at, it's going to get toasty over the next 10 days. Last day for a few <laughs> days in the 80s, right? Yeah. Right. Now, I might whiplash back. Who knows? It's been doing that, which is kind of odd. But That's why they have to keep listening so that, we can that's tell right. them. <laughs> That's right. Matt knows before you and I know. So 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 keep us on your dial here on 1030, uh, 1030 The Voice. Uh, it's been a, a really good week of shows. Uh, I thought that uh, yesterday's conversation with uh, our faith and culture contributor, Pastor Jeff Loxon, was good. Supervisor Steve Christie, I think, gave a very frank and open interview, a conversation uh, about last week's event surrounding the retirement of longtime county administrator Chuck Huckleberry. The day before that, we had Stephen Fleming in. Uh, he has been working on the business side of how do we take the capacity and knowledge and research and innovation uh, around the space industry that's at the University of Arizona, and how do we get that outside the four walls, so to speak, and create economic and jobs impact in the community. That was a good conversation. Tomorrow, just to uh, plug this before we get going, uh, President uh, Michael Crow, president of Arizona State University, will be uh, will be with us as um, as well. Uh, to close us out today, let me start backwards and work my way in. We'll be sitting down with Devin Underwood, uh, principal and founder of the Town Store, and we'll talk about the six ways um, that organizations fail to retain and attract talent uh, and succession plan. And uh, this is her business, is to, is to um, overcome what economists today now call the mismatch um, of skills and people and jobs open, but people not uh, able and ready to jump into those uh, positions. Uh, Devin's job is to make the match happen. And it's always interesting to hear from her perspective about the labor market. So we'll, we'll speak to that. Uh, at the end, uh, the first two, the, the first half uh, of the show is you and me. I invite you to call in five two zero seven nine zero twenty forty. I, I want to uh, start with a with the title of an article um, by Vox, actually uh, called "Nice Raise, Too Bad About Inflation." Uh, I, I want to talk a little bit about what are some of the market forces that we're seeing, uh, and then we'll we'll go from there. So that's our show five two zero. Seven nine zero twenty forty. Yeah, give us a call and uh, and join the conversation. By the way, all those uh, interviews I mentioned, you can listen back on the podcast. Uh, go to kvui.com forward slash podcast, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify. Um, you can uh, you can find us there. So um, you know, Matt, this moment uh, for me, looking at this economy. Um, where we are seeing inflation um, at a 40-year high. 
Uh, prices on average are now um, uh, over 8% higher um, than they were, I believe, a year ago. And we just haven't seen these numbers since the end of the Carter administration into the early part um, of the Reagan administration. And Reagan's uh, policy uh, around around uh, these issues led to a bit of a recession in the beginning to kind of reset the market, and then we saw um, some growth from there. Um, but the economy that he inherited um, is an economy that we haven't seen um, until this year. It's a it's a forty year it's a forty year mark. So. Um, uh, I'm not going to tell you how old I am uh, on the air, but I can tell you that I was not born uh, the last time we saw uh, inflation this high. So, Matt, I am having real-life deja vu of my uh, AP economy class uh, in high school. And none of those graphs made sense, but it makes sense when you're living it. And uh, and so I'm having this kind of educational real life living laboratory moment around some of these economic forces I'm seeing and uh, like, oh, uh, AP macroeconomics uh, now makes sense. This is like high school all over again. So it's like a little like generational amnesia with uh, policymakers, isn't it? Where, you know, they they do all these things that all those lessons were learned. Uh, all those lessons were learned and, and uh, generational amnesia and uh, those who don't understand history are doomed to repeat it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I think what's difficult, right, is that all this is so politicized, certainly in the lead up um, to the midterm. And I want to assure you that I, I'm not looking at this from a, a political uh, political standpoint. I mean, it certainly uh, makes sense uh, if you're uh, uh, on the Democratic side of things, you don't really want to talk about this. If you're on the Republican side of things, you really do want to talk about this. Uh, I, I'm just looking at it pragmatically and going, wow, this is a really interesting moment. How do we make sense of it? And Matt, you're exactly right. I learned for the first time, again, I wasn't there, um, but some of the um, uh, some of the you know policy even back in the '60s was around how do we you know manage inflation and interest rates and wage hikes in a way uh, that lifts the worker that that increases wages and it broke the system that led to the pain of the '70s into the early '80s and I wasn't there back then but I went wait a second we're having amnesia about this moment that we're in we've tried these things before and somehow we keep trying old things over and over again and hoping um hoping that it works um that it works differently uh, and so matt i think the thing that stood out to me as i'm looking at these analyses of where are we and how did we get here and what does this 40-year high mean i think there's a couple of dynamics that connect to each other um that that are that are interesting um and i think what we are living in is what they call the wage price spiral. And that spiral is an economic term, uh, and it means when workers receive a wage hike, they demand more goods and services, and this in turn causes prices to rise. The wage increase effectively increases general business expenses that are then passed on to the consumer um, as, as higher prices. And there was this moment last year where we saw massive upward pressure on on wages that I think 
if the supply chain was working the way it was supposed to, um, if we didn't have some of these, you know, pressures that we're trying to manage with interest rate hikes, if we didn't have uh, what's going on in Ukraine, there would be a wage price spiral anyways. But you compound that with the fact that we have all these pressures that are limiting supply. The Fed can only manage demand. That's their only job. They, they, they cannot, certainly in the near term, do anything to flex supply. Uh, and, and what's interesting is, is, is that, and this isn't a, a revelation to anybody, um, but, but this Vox article, and I'd say Vox is, is center left, uh, they wrote it this way, you got to raise last year or switch jobs to get one. By the way, if you want to raise, switch jobs. It's probably the, the main way you'll get a sizable raise in this economy. Congratulations, you're one of the many Americans who saw their paychecks get bigger. Unfortunately, unless your wages or salary grew much higher than the national average of 4.5% last year, inflation likely canceled it out. That means that while you might be making more money, you can buy less stuff with it. That's bad news for you, but it's also probably bad news for your boss. Employers are struggling to retain and attract workers. Amid the great resignation, a broad term to describe the past couple of years when workers have been quick to leave for better pay or greener pastures. So now get this. I'm not an economist. I'm not an expert um, at all. And that's not a cop out. I'm just not. And I'm not going to pretend to be. Uh, But you have this situation where many will say, well, we've added 600,000 jobs, but those jobs aren't being filled. And in many cases, they're not being filled uh, because there is this shift in the labor market where people are trying to get raises that can keep up with the cost of goods going up. So if the cost of goods are going up and wages are going up and not keeping up with the cost of goods, then you have no you ha- you have smaller benefit to the jobs that are being created. And if you are lucky enough to transition out of a job and you are lucky enough to find a company that is paying you higher wages, then the self-fulfilling prophecy of the wage price spiral starts to happen, where wage hikes cause prices to rise. And guess who predicts prices rising? The market. So the, so, so, so the market, the stock market, those forces then look at this self-fulfilling prophecy start to happen, and they, get to, they start to get more discouraged with the market because wages and prices are going up in an unsustainable way, but they have to in the near term and and, and get discouraged about the market, which then has its own impacts. So so I'm looking at this again in in the sense that none of this made sense when you read it from a textbook in, you know, in, in AP macroeconomics in high school, but you start to live this thing and go, wow. I mean, the forces, uh, the, the forces here that are at work, uh, may not slow down um, any anytime soon, and there was um, my fear is that there was fiscal and monetary policy between 2020 and 2021 that is going to ultimately require the very difficult, very hard recessionary reset that had to happen between the Carter and Reagan administrations. Uh, I, I mean, the, the Fed is going to keep hiking interest rates, and they're going to try for a soft landing on this in a way that doesn't impact jobs and wages. But uh, it's going to take a lot of luck and a lot of skill. And I haven't seen the skill, and I certainly haven't seen the luck. 
so all this came to mind as I was looking at uh, nice rays too bad about inflation uh, and and this is this is kicking the working and middle class in the teeth, uh, which is the ironic part of this because some of the fiscal and monetary policy of 2020 and 2021 was designed to uh, use the COVID moment uh, to provide a massive upward pressure on wages that would be positive. Uh, and unless some very specific things go very right in the near term, uh, that upward pressure is not going to be felt long term. So this is really interesting to me. And it makes sense why there is such the malaise on the ground. Um, American people, the American people are getting super fussy. Um, and you can't, you can't talk away the pain that is felt at the pump. You can't talk away uh, how inflation is eating away at wages. You can't talk away these things. These are felt at a very real level. Uh, on a daily basis. And here's some of the factors that I just explained why it's happening. So there we go. Um, an, an economics lesson from a non-economist. Um, hope that was interesting. 520-2040. Give us a call. We're going to go to our first break. When we come back, a few more words from moi. And then at the bottom of the hour, we're going to transition over to our conversation with Devin Underwood. The six things she sees organizations doing that prevent, speaking of jobs and wages and matching people, um, from retaining and attracting talent in organizations. If you're listening and you're part of management or leadership of a nonprofit, for-profit, whatever it may be, uh, you're going to want to stick around and listen to this because it's good stuff. And I'm looking forward to the conversation. We'll be right back here on Tipping Point, 1030 The Voice. And for the people of Tucson, 1030 The Voice, trusted local news and talk. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. Your FC Tucson Soccer Club is back for its first home match of the 2022 USL League One season. This Saturday, April 16th at 7, we host Forward Madison. Tickets are as low as $14. Get your season tickets now and find information on all ticket specials at fctucson.com slash tickets. Or call the ticket office at 520-600-3095. Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. 
Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash offer.com. Zach Yenzer here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their B on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Castor Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. We're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. You're listening to Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, here on 1030 The Voice. Uh, a short segment here before we go and visit with Devin Underwood uh, to keep talking about the labor market, especially in Tucson. But I wanted to follow up here before we go to break on something that I mentioned just briefly a couple of days ago, and that is uh, it is always interesting to me, uh, and, and I may be a little bit nerdy in this, I don't know, but uh, I, if you want to know, uh, uh, if you want to know the path of your city, the path of, in our case, our city here in Tucson, um, one of the easiest ways to do that uh, is to keep tabs on the local ele- elections happening in other places. We don't have uh, city council uh, uh, races in even years in Tucson. Those are odd year uh, um, uh, elections, but uh, many places around the country do. Los Angeles is one of them. And I think it's always interesting because I think cities are like Hallmark movies. Uh, once you uh, Christmas movies, once you've seen a few, you kind of know what's going to happen, why it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. And it's fascinating because there is a tightening race in the mayoral race uh, in Los Angeles, and I want to read you a few reasons why the Los Angeles Times reported on a poll 
that is showing uh, 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 candidate Caruso catching up with uh, Karen Bass, uh, really the odds-on Democratic favorite who had a, a massive uh, lead that has gotten eaten into. Uh, and the poll asked voters to pick two issues that were key to how they will vote in this election. Homelessness was by far the top issue, cited by 61% of likely voters. Um, no candidate had an advantage on that topic. Um, uh, but uh, uh, public safety also showed up um, as well as, as very high. Uh, 38% of likely voters said crime and safety were top of mind. Caruso had a 4-1 lead uh, over Bass. Um, older voters and conservatives, of course, are especially concerned about crime. That's a trend that, that maps across the country. But the poll also found a high level of concern among Latinos and in general among working class, non-college educated voters. Bass leads among voters who cited housing affordability as a top issue and who listed climate change or racial justice as their top issues. She leads among those voters, but those were much smaller voter blocks. And it, 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 it's really interesting to me as I, as I look at that. And I, if you missed it a couple of days ago, I said that I think in this weird, strange American moment, the American city is the great equalizer. Because I think you can have individuals um, who may vote one way down the ballot on state and federal issues and other voters who vote the other way on state and federal issues and they find these, this, this, this weird overlap of agreement when it comes to what I call the normal people's scorecard. Can you... Uh, uh, afford the cost of living on the wages of a good paying job near good schools, good roads, good parks, and safe neighborhoods. The American city is a great equalizer because if the answer is no to even part of those, you will find older voters, conservatives, Latino voters, working class, non-college educated voters all coming together and saying, hey, we would love to see crime lower. We would love to see a better solution to homelessness. We'd love our electeds in these election cases. We'd love our electeds to have, um, as they asked of Eric Garcetti, who is terming out, to have noticed this was a problem earlier. The American city has this amazing way, ours and across the country, has this amazing way to recenter the conversation on the key issues in a way that brings people together. And I find that really refreshing. And I also find it a call to action that no matter whether you are in a partisan election, a nonpartisan election, a partisan election, whether you are D or I or R, when you are in an American city, the expectation is for safety, for opportunity, for affordability, and for some level of societal and community order. Um, and, and that's the ask. And if it's not being answered, these shifts happen. And that's a good thing. They can only happen in the American city. We're going to go to our bottom of the hour break. When we come back, Devin Underwood is going to be with us, uh, principal and founder of the Talent Store. We're going to talk about the six things you shouldn't do if you want to retain and attract great people. 
to the positions in your companies, whether you are a nonprofit, a business, small business, large business, this stuff's going to apply uh, and it's going to be really interesting. I'm looking forward to this conversation. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere here on 1030 The Voice. We have exciting news to share here at Impact of Southern Arizona. We have expanded our food bank into a grocery shopping style experience where over 500 families a month come in for food, clothing, and support. Now, Impact needs you. Can you or your business put on a food drive for food and hygiene items that others would normally go without? Learn more and contact us at www.impactsoaz.org. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer.com. Your FC Tucson Soccer Club is back for its first home match of the 2022 USL League One season. This Saturday, April 16th at 7, we host Forward Madison. Tickets are as low as $14. Get your season tickets now and find information on all ticket specials at fctucson.com slash tickets. Or call the ticket office at 520-600-3095. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what The Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. Back to Sun and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. We are live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser and AM1030 KVY, the voice, daily end of news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and uh, we are now uh, moving to our conversation with Devin Underwood, the principal and founder of the talent store and uh, oddly enough Devin totally unplanned this show has actually all pointed in the same direction we started uh, out the show talking about uh, this uh, this piece called uh, called nice raise too bad about inflation uh, but it led into wondering why look we have 600,000 jobs you know that were recently created uh, but we're still seeing this worker shortage um, and Many ways to resolve that include wage increases, but then that's kind of a, a a spiral of its own where wage increases create pricing increases, and the market says, well, how how long will this spiral? And so this all starts to compound on itself, but everybody is still wondering, um, why can we not find enough people to to hire and and have them in our jobs? And so... I would love to get your thoughts in general, kind of an off-the-cuff question because you're in this world. Uh, but then you are going to share with us uh, six ways uh, that companies can blunder in their retention and succession planning. <laughs> so I think we're all tracking this morning, but what a crazy job, employment, and wage market, Devin. What, what, what's the view from your world to kick us off? 
It is really wild. You know, I, my experience is, you know, obviously like anyone else is limited to my experience, but, uh, you know, I'm talking to really talented people who want to work and do a really great job. I'm probably working at a different level day to day than what you guys were talking about on the staff level and um, kind of service side of things. So I'm not experiencing it as much, but you know, there is a reckoning happening both in terms of retention, uh, succession planning, because we've talked about the, the retirement that's happening, which we always knew was coming and, and with the pandemic maybe is coming even faster than we could have planned for. Um, and then, you know, creating an environment where people thrive. I think in any Harvard Business Review, I know Brene Brown's covering this a lot, um, any of the Sherm magazine, any of the uh, writing that I'm reading right now is identifying toxic workspaces or what people are defining as toxic workspaces as the reason for the shortage. Um, not pay. Um, pay is in there, and there's there's an element of that, but there's a lot of other things happening at once, too. And, you know, toxic is a really general word that's hard to put your finger on. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know if that's something we're here to solve, but I think there's ways to make it a better workplace in terms of retention and succession that we can absolutely talk about. Yeah, I think it's interesting just to kind of close out this, you know, first intro to our to our conversation is, um, you know, some will talk about how COVID created skills mismatches. Some are saying there's now a second wave of mismatch. And for sure, you know, we, we want to talk about how employers are um, lightening skills requirements for many low-skilled jobs to find workers in a tight labor market. But on the um, maybe some of the positions that you deal with a lot as well, companies are increasing requirements, um, you know, uh, and, and automation and, and digitization is increasing what skills are being required, and that itself is closing out a lot of pathways, not to mention can companies keep up with the competitive wage market that is seeing upward pressure. So I think it's happening, yeah. Devin, at both at both ends of the spectrum in different ways, but that, that second wave of mismatch is an interesting way to describe it that I had never thought of before. Yeah, yeah, that's totally true. And I think that, you know, when I'm talking about the roles I'm, I'm talking about and, and the clients that I currently have, I'm really lucky in that they're open to a partnership conversation around um, flexibility and competitiveness as an employer. And so we're mm-hmm. exploring, is that pedigree really needed? What pedigree is really needed? What is actually needed to do the job? What training can we supplement? Um, for instance, even for architects now, you know, the, the big shift in software is to Revit. And there's just already a shortage of that 5 to 12-year experience as an architect, particularly in the Tucson market. Then you add to that that they need to have a level 5 expertise in the software that mm-hmm. no other company has started using yet but three firms in town. And so, you know, the conversation then is their um, flexibility to change software, what experience or exposure have they had to the new software, and then what training can the employer invest in to get them there, um, rather than just screening out and looking for a unicorn. 
Um, and so we, we kind of cover all of that with our clients. It's, it's, that's a little more specific example of it. Mm. Um, and you've got to be open and you've got to be able to solve for the things you can solve for and then still stay true to what you actually have to vet for and what someone really needs coming in to hit right. the ground. Um, you know, I, Brene Brown posted this quote and I think it really fits our conversation. It's by, Scott Sonen Sheen, and it says, the world is always changing. Now it's a racial reckoning in a pandemic. Before this, we had a 2008 recession and a dot-com boom. If you think you're going to come in and operate your business as if it's February 2020, you're going to get crushed. If you think you're leading the same workforce, people with the same mindset, the same mentality, the same desires, and the same priorities, you're nuts. You have to change or get out of the way. There's no turning back. This is a big reset. And that's where the hope and opportunity live. Mm. Oh, and I thought it was really yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I, and, I think, and, go ahead. I think some of the worker shortage that I feel, and it's real, I don't want to say it's not real, but there's times where it's exacerbated by holding on to your position because you're just not going to shift or change. And so you're just thinking you're going to wait it out and it's going to become 2020 again. And um, Mm. I know I'm here and the talent store is here to have some conversations about what you can really do without harming your business, with making your business thrive, what you can really flex on to keep evolving and shifting with where things are going. Wow. Well, Devin, I think that set the stage really well because, you know, we kind of did a current events angle on, hey, you know, if you can uh, retain a succession plan with your current staff uh, and your current work team, that's really important in this market. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's do this. Before we go to our first break, Devin, uh, there's six common blunders that you help companies highlight and work through um, that prevent successful retention and succession planning. Uh, Give us the first three, and then we'll go to our break and come back and do the final three. But what are the first three of six common blunders uh, that that trip companies and organizations up? Yeah, and those first three really go together well. Um, So you've got, these are are common blunders everywhere. I actually got this from Sherm's most recent issue um, on succession planning, and I thought they were really just spot on. Um, and this is where, on our advising side, we work with people to think through how to shift in these areas. But one is failure to set reasonable employee expectations. So do you really know what the day of an employee and what they really have to do to get their job done? Or are you looking at it and just saying, yeah, I could do that in 10 minutes. Why is it taking them three hours, right? And, or whoever is setting the expectation, do they really know what entail, what gets in the way of that job, what moves that job forward, and what realistic expectations to have? Even as simple as, and I know, Zach, you and I have talked about it, having that job description, really clear, concise job description that says the key success factors and what you'll be evaluating guide your evaluation conversations, your goal-setting conversations the deliverables that you've asked this employee to complete for you. Um, It's amazing how many organizations I go into and that's just a document that lives in a file somewhere and it doesn't live, exist, or evolve in any of the conversations they're having with employee expectations. Hmm. Um, Failure to seek employee input. 
So what are you doing to find out what they really want and need, how they feel? Um, and this is, I always say with a caveat, within reason. You're asking them for input on what you can provide. If it's something you can't do, if it's never going to be able to be a remote position because they have to be in person, well, you're not going to ask them about that necessarily. Um, but there's different ways. There's a company I'm working with right now. We've implemented stay interviews hmm. and an employee survey. And the stay interviews start with leadership. So the president of the company just did the stay interview with the ops person I'm working with. And they were blown away by how much that conversation opened up between them. And they talk to each other all the time. They, they know they have an open door. Um, and so it was really cool to see that impact, and it got them even more excited to then roll it down through the ranks um, to everybody else. Hmm. And consistent one-on-one, you know, how are you staying in touch so that you have a consistent time with your direct report, that your conversations aren't only punitive, that they're, they're, you're meeting with them, you're hearing about what's going on with them, you're solving problems together, you're brainstorming, you're ideating and, and kind of and having some get-to-know-you time. That's really important. Um, and then failure to be inclusive. I think that, you know, if there's any perception of tribalism, and this can be um, around race, gender, it can be around just friend groups, cliques, ageism. Um, if there's a perception of that, it's a killer for your organization, especially in succession. If it's perceived that you're just tapping the shoulders of an inner circle, you're going to lose some really talented people hmm. if they don't feel they're a part of that inner circle. And so you've really got to take an unfiltered look at how are you including all talent options, all voices in where your company is headed. Wow. The first three of six common blunders uh, that organizations and companies make in retaining uh, great people uh, and in succession planning. Uh, let's uh, let's put a pin in it there for now. Matt, let's go visit some of our great sponsors. When we uh, come back, we'll continue this conversation. Again, we started uh, by analyzing this weird and wacky job and labor and wage market. Um, and if you can retain and build succession plan to your organization, I think you'll have a leg up. Uh, in managing a very complicated world right now. So our entire hour has connected. When we come back, uh, part two, the final three, common blunders in retention and succession planning. We'll be right back with Devin Underwood, principal and founder of The Talent Store, right after this. From Oro Valley to Vail and everywhere in between, 1030 The Voice. Trusted local news and talk. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down, 
from the Rialto Theater. Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Casser family wing of Latin American art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. We have exciting news to share here at Impact of Southern Arizona. We have expanded our food bank into a grocery shopping style experience where over 500 families a month come in for food, clothing, and support. Now, Impact needs you. Can you or your business put on a food drive for food and hygiene items that others would normally go without? Learn more and contact us at www.impactsoaz.org. Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open-air Mercado San Agustin Annex just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. This is Bill Buckmaster preparing for the Easter weekend at noon on 1030 Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Our final segment of this Friday Eve edition of Tipping Point with Zach Yenzer here on AM 1030 KVY The Voice. It is Thursday, April 14th, and we are speaking with Devin Underwood, principal and founder of The Talent Store, a wide-ranging conversation analyzing and making sense of the weird labor uh, market, and labor market, job market, and wage market, uh, and specifically... Um, how you as our uh, nonprofit business, small business, large business organizations listening uh, can avoid six common blunders in retention and succession planning. We talked about the first three 
in uh, the prior segment. Uh, Devin, in the time remaining, walk us through the next three, the final three common blunders to retaining uh, great people and succession planning for organizational success. Oh, Devin, can we hear you? Sorry about that. Oh, there we go. <laughs> but Yeah, can you hear me? Good. You're good now. <laughs> um, great. Yeah, the retention umbrella is kind of a big concept, but in that succession planning, you know, that, that lane of consistent challenge and growth within your company, and, and we need to talk about that. Um, you don't want people to leave for better opportunities because your company isn't providing them. Um, especially your very good people. Some turnover is going to happen, but succession planning is really important, and I think it's always an opportunity for a lot of companies. They're busy taking care of the day-to-day. So I think we left off on failure to be inclusive, and, mm-hmm. and I can frame that when you're thinking about succession as who are you grooming, talking to, thinking about on your bench um, as the next person and are you missing anybody because you are uh, there's some bias there there's some inner circle there's some tribalism um, you know think about those things and we really take a clear clean look at that because it can get in the way of a lot of incredible talent opportunities that you might have within your rank um, and then from that failure to thoroughly vet potential successors those are sort of two sides of one coin if you've already set your eye on somebody, they're already in your inner circle, you shoulder tap them, they sound like you, uh, you think that they're the next person, are you missing, one, their actual skills and experience and who they might be as a leader, and two, other people who may be better fits? And so make sure you are giving yourself enough candidate options, which is the other bullet under this, failure to give yourself enough candidate options, and failure to thoroughly vet the successors. There's a lot of times and we see it over and over where the person who's the subject matter expert or who is really good at delivering on the role that they have is not necessarily your best leader, but somehow they get that job. And so how are you vetting communication style, leadership style, um, or whatever other attributes, success attributes are needed for the role? And making sure you're talking to more people. What is your internal application process? How do you post opportunities internally? How do people raise their hand and and express interest? And then how are those conversations and that vetting done internally, not just externally? Um, And then when you're looking at having enough candidate options, you know, do you have a variety of people with with different levels of readiness on your bench? Are you continuing to develop employees at all different levels and continuing to talk about the opportunities and the new challenges they can accept and the ways they can grow in the organization? Um, You never want to just have one person in mind and then the timing doesn't work out and they go somewhere else. And Mm. you haven't set up any other employee development or any other bench. So give yourself multiple options and have lots of conversations with your your internal talent. And then the final bullet is failure of leaders to take an active role. Um, This is not HR's job. (laughs) HR is a great partner in this, but it's the leaders of each department, of each area, of each company 
that need to be really active in developing and enriching this bench of talent so that they can continue to grow within the organization. And if the leaders aren't active in it, if they aren't bought into how important this is, it's just not going to happen. Hmm. So there are there are those six, the six common blunders. Uh, failure to set reasonable employee expectations, failure to seek employee input, failure to be inclusive, failure to thoroughly vet potential successors, failure to have enough candidate options, failure of leaders to take an active role. Devin, one, uh, one final question before uh, we find out how we can uh, connect up with you if people want to do that offline. Uh, there's, uh, in some of the notes you shared, this stood out to me, and I want to know what does it mean. There's a tendency to overrate people too early in their careers. I think a lot of people would not feel overrated right now <laughs> in their <laughs> careers. Um, what do you mean by that? Oh, I've seen it all the time, especially with leaders who are a little bit jaded. Um, some new talent comes in. People are their best selves in their first 90 days to six months. Mm. Um, and, you know, a little bit of turnover and new blood is always good for an organization because you've got new energy coming in. You've got people training those new people who are at their best. It up-levels them. It gets them showcasing who they are better. It reminds them of all the best practices that they should be doing. Um, And so there's a tendency to see this new fresh energy and say, oh, that's what we've been missing this whole time. (laughs) Um, But really give it some time. Uh, Clear off your filters and your lenses regularly um, and make sure you're looking at everybody clearly. Give people time and position. Give them time to show who they are. Um, what they still need to learn and develop on, and have those really open conversations with them about it. Uh, you know, it's the shiny new person coming in always, you know, there's like this hope of the new arrival. Um, and, you know, it, they do that in the interview process too. <laughs> and so you've got to kind of make sure you're covering all your ground and seeing people for the complex human beings that they are and letting them show you who they are as they keep moving through the organization. Got it. That makes uh, that makes sense now. Uh, Devin, uh, again, you get to share with us these little uh, kind of tips and advice uh, on a uh, uh, consistent basis here on the program as we navigate the last couple years of labor market, job market, and wage market shift. Um, but for any organizations listening who would like to take you off to the side and get a little bit of your advice specific to their business and potentially work together on retaining and attracting talent and succession planning. Where can people find you and get on your calendar? Yeah, uh, you know, this is a ton of information. I think, Zach, you and I will keep digging out this concept of succession planning, both with external recruiting and your internal pipelines. And we'll keep talking about more details around it. But you can always get a free consultation with me. Um, You can go to my website, yourtalentstore.com access my calendar directly and we can have a conversation about how to get your organization moved forward if not in this area in how you are interacting externally to attract and retain new talent um so let's talk love it Devin underwood thank you as always uh we will see you again very soon Uh, until then enjoy this last cool day of spring and uh we'll see you around (laughs) thanks zach have a good one (laughs) 
Absolutely. Well, that's it for us. Hugh Hewitt's up next, Bill Buckmaster at noon. When we come back, ASU President Dr. Michael Crow will be with us, as well as Ray Flores. We'll talk about the Monica and continued success of their local business family. Tucson, be safe out there. Enjoy this weather. We'll see you on Friday back on Tipping Point on 1030 The Voice. Mm-hmm.